Welcome to this week's sermon from Spark. We are a community who believes we are deeply loved by God and seek to welcome, support, love, and serve every person we meet. We hope this message has something for you today. So last week, we began a new sermon series. Can you remember what the word was that we kind of were basing this series off of? Yes, ma'am. Confessions. Great. Confessions. I'm going to try to angle this so you can see it better. Um, So confessions. And a lot of times we think of confession as something that we do when we have done something we were not supposed to, right? And we have to admit that we did something wrong. Last week, we helped to expand our understanding of of confession to it's not just when we do something wrong, but it's really any truth that we want to share. So I, as people who call ourselves Christians, maybe, would confess that Jesus is Lord or Savior, or we might confess that we believe that things in the Bible are true, or we could even, it doesn't have to be about our faith, but we could confess that we um, have a love of animals or our favorite food, right? So confession doesn't always have to be about something that we did wrong. It's any kind of honesty and truth. And our series, we are asking questions, and so we're kind of confessing, we're admitting that we don't understand everything, particularly about God, about faith, about the church. And our hope is by asking these questions and wrestling with them that we would get to the point where we might be able to confess what we really believe, right? So it's kind of a both and. So last week we talked about, is this real? How do we know that faith, church, God, all this stuff that we talk about in church is real. And we looked at scripture and history and experience. And we're going to kind of use that same format of looking at scripture and tradition and experience to answer our question for today or to think about our question for today. And our question today is, who is God really? Like, who is God really? And in the Bible, There's a point at which Jesus is with all the disciples and he's talking to them and teaching and he looks at all of them and he says, who do you say that I am? Who do you think that I am? And so I'm going to ask that question to you all. So before we think deeper about the question, I'm just curious, who would you say that God is? How would you describe God? And I'm going to write the things that we come up with on this whiteboard. So what are some of your ideas? Yes. Creator. What else? You can go ahead and shout them out. Doesn't have to be fancy. A leader. What else? Okay. All powerful. Healer. Holy Spirit. Any other ideas? What about characteristics? What are some of like the personality traits or how would you describe God? Yeah. Forgiving. Patient. 
the truth. Mm -hmm. Anything else you want to add? Kind. Forgiven is on there. Yep, forgiveness. Yep. All right, this is a good start. Got some ideas. So we have our understanding of who God is, and how we come to know that is, is in different ways, right? And one of the ways that we can come to know about God is obviously by reading the Bible. That's one of the first and easiest. We just pick it up because it's got all this information about God in it, and it can teach us a lot about who God is. And the first thing that the Bible kind of can help us understand is that God appears in three different forms, right? And you kind of got to some of them in your list, right? So we have the creator God from the very, very beginning in Genesis, who's also known as Father God to Jesus. And then we have Jesus, who is God who came to be with us, God in flesh, God made human. And then we have, you guys mentioned the Holy Spirit, who comes and is kind of our guide and our comforter and our sustainer and God's ever presence with us, um, even though we can't always see it. So the Bible talks about these three forms of God. And for us, as human beings, it can be really hard to understand that. It can really be hard to understand how God is three things at the same time, three forms. Like, how is God like Jesus on earth, but still the creator in heaven? And how does that all work? And if you're confused about it, just know that you're not alone. People have been trying to find characteristics for thousands of years. There's lots of books written about it. There are a lot of people that argued over it for a long time in early Christian history. And it's okay if that is still like a very mysterious thing. And I think is the fact that God is mysterious. And that might be a word that we could include up here, that we can't ever fully 100% know everything about God. So scripture kind of helps us understand the three beings of God. But it also gives us some of these characteristics. And I think the person who asked this question in youth group that kind of helped us bring it here today was asking about the characteristics of God, the personality of God. Like, who is God really? Because in, the, in scriptures, we see kind of different personality traits of God. We see that God is angry and jealous sometimes. We see that God is compassionate. And so what do we do with those things, especially if they seem like polar opposites? Like, who is God actually for us? and to us. And so we're going to look at those two kind of images of God, the image of the angry, jealous God, and the image of the loving and compassionate God. And we're going to start by looking at scripture. So the first scripture that's going to be up is from the book of Exodus. And this comes from the part of the Bible where Moses is um, receiving the Ten Commandments. So this is what it says. Do not make an idol for yourself, no form whatsoever of anything in the sky above or on the earth below or in the waters under the earth. Do not bow down to them or worship them because I, the Lord your God, a jealous God. I punish children for their parents' sins, even to third and fourth generations of those who hate me. But I am loyal and gracious to the thousandth generation to those who love me and keep my commandments. Only that... If you read only that, what would you think about God? Think about God? 
That was the only bit that you came to understand. Any ideas? Yeah, that he's a jealous God, right? It says, I am a jealous God. And it also sounds like he's a God who punishes, which doesn't sound super exciting for those of us here on earth, you know? And so if we just only view that particular verse, we get a particular image of who God is. And you and I know that that's not the full picture of God, right? That's why when we read the Bible, it's really important that we don't just like open it up and like, mm, eeny, meeny, miny, mo, and pick a sentence and then read it. And then are like, oh, this must be true for my life. Like a fortune cookie is not helpful, right? It's kind of like if you opened up one of your favorite books, I don't know, Harry Potter or Percy Jackson or, I don't know, Twilight, whatever you like to read, and you just, like, read a random sentence, and you're like, ah, this story is great or terrible, depending on the sentence, right? So, like, that's not very helpful to understand things, right? So when we read the Bible, it's the same thing. We need context. We need understanding. We need to know, like, the paragraph before and the chapter before to help us understand why this sentence is saying what it is. And so when we read this, we could just cherry pick that out of the scriptures and say, well, God's a jealous, angry God, and God's going to punish all of us. But if we read it within its context, we're talking about the Ten Commandments, and God is angry and jealous about idol worship. So what's idol worship? Does anyone know? Yeah. Do you worship a fake God? Any other descriptions of idol worship? Yeah, you can devote yourself to false beliefs or things that are not of God or put something else more important than God. But really what he was talking about or what God is angry about or upset about is that people had this practice, this desire of building statues that represented God here on earth, and then they would worship those. And as a human being, I could understand why someone might be tempted to do that or want to do that, right? Because God, you can't see God. You don't really know what God looks like. And so if we make a statue, then it's like, okay, now I have something I can worship, I can see, I can understand. And that makes God jealous and angry because what it does is it forms God into a particular image and it limits our imagination on who God is, right? So if we only worship a statue that looks like a big muscly man, then we can only imagine God as a big muscly man. And God is so much bigger than any particular image that we could pick. I mean, and that's proof even when we talked about the three forms of God, right? If we only said God was Jesus, we're missing out on God the Creator and God the Holy Spirit. So God gets angry and jealous when we try to put God in a box and limit God's magnificence. And I think we can relate to that too because we don't like being put in a box. No one likes to be labeled. You don't want to be just known as, well, you're just a kid in foster care. Like, no, that's not who I am right? And same thing is true about God. So he gets angry when people try to compartmentalize God. And then when we think about Jesus, we see, we've seen there sometimes that Jesus was angry too. Can you remember one of the like most popular stories about when Jesus is angry? Do you remember what Jesus does? He flips some tables over, right? He goes into the temple just, and sometimes I think that'd just be the most epic thing to see, just Jesus, like, rage, ah, flipping over tables. Um, although it'd be also terrifying at the same time, right? Like, it'd be kind of like, whoa. It gets your attention, which is the point. And so Jesus goes into the temple, 
and he starts flipping over tables of the money changers. And uh, his, what he says while he's doing that is like, you've made my father's house into a den of robbers or thieves. And a lot of people interpret that as being all these people were in the temple and they were selling things and that, that Jesus didn't want them to sell things because most often they sold animals or things to offer as sacrifices to God and that maybe that those people were being corrupt and like taking advantage of the poor and just doing not good business practices within the temple. But really what Jesus was getting upset about and flipping tables over were the holy people, the worshipers, who were coming into the temple and were using the temple as a place to hide and to be hypocritical. So the people that were out there in the world being mean and nasty and unjust and treating people poorly and not representing God well, and then they were coming to church on Sunday and being like, holy, holy, right? And so Jesus was angry about that. And so he's flipping over. And that's why he's saying you're making it a den of thieves. You're making it a, place, a hiding place for people who are stealing away the way that we should be understanding God and the way that God wants us to live. That's what Jesus was angry about. And so when you take those things in context, the jealousy of God for idol worship and the anger of Jesus at people's hypocrisy might make God's anger a little more understandable. Yeah? And so one of our questions that we can kind of sit with today is, are you okay with God being angry? Is that okay with you? And that's up to you. That's not, I mean, that's your own pondering, your own wondering. Are you okay with God's anger? Can you understand it? And then we can look at the other side, right? The, the side that tells us that God is love. We have a verse from scripture about that, and it comes from 1 John, right towards the end of the Bible. And it says, we have known and have believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and those who remain in love remain in God, and God remains in them. So God is love. And this is something that we should know from reading the whole Bible, right? So when we talk about these two kind of images of God, the angry, jealous God, and then God who is love, I think the thing we need to sit with when we ask this question of who is God really is who is God most often, right? In the same way that people might um, want to judge you or other people and say, well, who are they? What are they like? Do you describe someone by their actions and character that they display every once in a while or who they are most of the time? Who they are most of the time, right? And if you read the whole Bible and you look at the whole story, you can come to see that God's character truly is love. From the very, very beginning when God created the whole world, God said that it was good and God delighted in it and loved it. And God made covenants with God's people all throughout history. He promised Noah that he would keep his family safe and that there would be a new beginning. He promised Abraham that he would have many descendants and that he would, God would be with him wherever he went. He promised to Hagar in the desert when she was being abused that he would see her and protect her. Then, after all those covenants and all those times that God made promises to us and human beings didn't quite hold up their end of the bargain, God came to be with us in Jesus and said, you know what, I'm just going to be with you. And he healed us and he lived with us and he taught us. And then he died for us. 
But that's not even the most amazing part of the story because the death part was just a day or two because he came back to life. He overcame death for us so that we could have life forever with God. That sounds like love to me. And then when Jesus went up to heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit so that we would not be alone, that there would be a presence of God with us in all of our days to sustain us and comfort us and guide us until Jesus comes once again and helps to complete all that work that he started by bringing God's kingdom here on earth. And in the meantime, it's our job to help with that. And so when we look at the whole story, we see that God's nature and character is love. And yes, God gets angry sometimes. And yes, God wishes that certain things would be different sometimes. But that doesn't take away from God's love. And so that's what scripture has to show us about who God is. But what about tradition? Does anyone know what tradition means or what that is? Any ideas? Yeah, so tradition is something we pass down. It can be, a lot of us think about it with holidays, right? Like we have like practices that we do for specific holidays and we pass it down. It can also be ideas and thoughts and ways of living. And so in the church, our tradition should be this image of God as love, right? And we can kind of confess, we could admit, we could share that sometimes the church hasn't been super good about this that the church has used God's anger to control and to manipulate people, to make people afraid, to force people to change something about themselves. And so traditionally, we've kind of used both of these images of God, right? But we've, I would say we have used the angry image more for our own benefit than for God's benefit. And sometimes we oversimplify who God is. We say, well, God in the Old Testament is the angry God, and God in the New Testament is the good and loving God. Because, you know, God in the Old Testament just really needed a sacrifice, and then Jesus did that for us, so now he's good. But if you read the whole story, you see that in the Old Testament, God was loving to people. That God met people where they were. That God made promises to people. And then you can read the New Testament, and you see that Jesus was angry sometimes. And he called people out on their stuff. So God's character didn't change from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And traditionally, sometimes we have done that to God. We've kind of put God into that little compartment of like, Old Testament, you're angry, and New Testament, you're happy. But that's not true. And so traditionally, we've struggled with this, with this how to, how to talk about God. And so one of the things that we can do as people who are now sitting in the seats of the church, and we are the church, we can be people who can more faithfully pass down the tradition of God's love. So we have scripture and we have tradition that help, to un- help us to unpack this question. And the last part is our experience. Who is God to you? Who has God been to you? We listed all these things. Who do, who do you say that I am, God says. Maybe these are some of them. Maybe there's others that you're not seeing here. But who has God been for you? Because like we talked about last week where God came to Thomas and Thomas needed to like physically touch Jesus and be like, you're alive, I see you. 
God also has unique relationships with each of us. Because just like we have unique relationships with all of our different friends and family, we relate to people in different ways based on who we are and our interests. And so we relate to God in different ways too. For some of us, God is a parent because we haven't had a parent that's been particularly great. For some of us, God is a best friend that we can go to for anything. For others, I, sometimes I think of God as like a cool like aunt or uncle, you know, that person that you look forward to talking to who's your family member that you can just share anything with, but they're like a little older and kind of a mentor. Maybe for you, so far in your life, you've experienced God as being a little bit distant. Maybe you have been afraid of God before. We all kind of relate to God in different ways. And our experiences teach us how to relate to God. And so if you're sitting here this morning, you're like, Pastor Madeline, I haven't really experienced God very much yet because I'm, you know, 13, 14 years old. Then I encourage you to ask people around you how they've experienced God to learn about God through other people's experiences, to look in the Bible, to look at what um, the church teaches us, what we share with you every week here about who God is, and have that help shape your understanding of the character of God. We're about to sing a song where we talk about the character of God, and it's a song you've all heard a bunch of times. And in it, it, there's a line about how God leaves the 99. And it's a reference to a story in scripture of Jesus as the shepherd or God as the shepherd, and we're all a bunch of sheeps living here on the earth. And when one sheep goes astray, when one sheep takes a wrong turn, when one sheep says, hey, the grass looks greener over on this side and goes away from God, that God will leave behind all the 99 other sheeps to go and pursue that one because God cares about each individual. God isn't just a God of the masses and is like, well, I got 99, that's good enough. God will pursue the one and that is God's love. That no matter what has happened in your life, no matter if right now you're like, Pastor Madeline, I don't really know about this God stuff, no, 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 no. No matter where you are on the path, whether you're right next to the shepherd, whether you're just, you know, grazing off into the field, or you're like way out left field, that doesn't change God's love for you. And it doesn't mean that God doesn't think that you're worth pursuing. Even before we understand who God is, even before this really sinks into our heart and it becomes something that we believe and confess, God is waiting and anxious to be with you, and not in a creepy way, like in a genuine, I want to get to know you kind of way, and I want to be with you kind of way, and in all the struggles that you might be going through in your life, I want you to know that you don't have to do that alone kind of way, and so we sing this song, Reckless Love. A lot of people got all up in a tizzy about calling God's love reckless, like that God didn't think about things or something, but really, God's love is reckless because we mess up all the time, right? We don't get things right. We, like, say we're going to do something, and then we do something else. Or um, we just mess up. And so it's reckless. It's dangerous. It's maybe someone would say foolish for God to keep loving people who keep messing it up and not loving God back or doing things that hurt other people or hurt ourselves. 
that doesn't change the fact that God still loves us. And so when we ask this question, who is God really? I hope that the answer for you will always be that God is love. I can't make you believe that. I can't be like, send out some type of spiritual waves that somehow make that soak into your heart. But I pray that at some point in your life you experience that. That there is a moment where that truly does sink in. Where it does something to your heart, to your mind, to your body that transforms you and helps you to know that you are worthy and that God loves you. I don't want you to be people who walk out of the church and say, well, I believe that God is love because Pastor Madeline told me so. I want you to be people who walk out of the church to say God is love because you know it for yourself. And so I can give you these tools. I can talk about the Bible. We can talk about what the church has taught us. We can talk about my experience, your experience. But ultimately, you're the one that has to take all the tools and use them to build your own faith. So that when you leave this place, you can take that faith and that truth with you. And it can sustain you through no matter what else comes your way. And all the days that will come your way. Amen? Let us pray. God, I give you thanks for each person in this room. For your love for them. We give thanks for who you are, God, that your nature is love, that no matter where we find ourselves in this moment or tomorrow or three weeks from now, God, that you will remain steadfast, that you will not forsake us, that you are with us. And God, we ask for forgiveness for the things that make you angry, for the ways that we betray you. And we ask, God, that in those moments that we would turn our eyes up towards you and that you would fill us with peace and with love. Be with us this week and right now as we seek to encounter you, the person who created us and loves us. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about our ministry, follow the link in the description below. Peace be with you. Yeah.